Welcome to In the Trenches, where entrepreneurs, artists, writers, designers, inventors, warriors, and leaders share their stories of doing the hard, creative work that impacts all of our lives. Let the journey inspire you to do something worthwhile, build something bold, and create your life's work. And now, your host, Tom Morgus. Welcome back, everyone, to another broadcast of In the Trenches. I'm really excited to have on today's call Brian Cristiano, who is the founder of Bold Worldwide, which is a sports advertising and marketing agency, and has worked with clients such as the New York Mets, to give you an example of kind of the the level they're at and what they do, and we'll be diving into that today. So, Brian, thanks so much for being on the call with us. Pleasure to be here, man. Thanks for having me on the show. Awesome. So before we dive into kind of what you guys do with uh, with Bull Worldwide, I like to go back in time a little bit. How did you get into advertising and marketing? How did you how did you begin the process of I guess building and starting Bold Worldwide? Oh man, it's uh, not to take us back too far. I'll, I'll try <laughs> to condense the story, but it's an it's a unique one. Um, back when I was in high school, I was very much into skating, actually rollerblading when it was cool in the mid nineties. Um, and we used to film ourselves to kind of try to, you know, try different tricks and things like that. And I was okay. I actually competed in the amateur circuit in, in skating and stuff like that. Um, and it was different, so different then than it is now. Whereas back in the mid nineties, we'd look at magazine pictures and be like, Oh wow, that's cool. Somebody's doing a flip over a flight of stairs. Let's go and try that. There was no YouTube how to videos. Uh, so we'd film ourselves. And then one day I had the bright idea because I was surrounded by so many great skaters, some who are in the X games, et cetera. So, you know, why don't I, why don't I actually just film this stuff and turn it into a, into a skate video? Why not? And so I started that process um, never did anything like that before, just kind of based on what I had seen, um, learned how to edit actually Adobe Premiere version one, no joke. And, um, you know, at some point I kind of had grew the, grew the, the balls, so to speak, to just call up video action sports, which at the time was the biggest distributor of skating and snowboarding videos, that kind of stuff. And I said, Hey, I have your next big thing. And they said, okay, well send us a sample. I did long story short, ended up selling like 5,000 plus copies at you know 17 at the time um which for a 17 year old kid that's a pretty big deal and a decent payday um and that's when i realized you know i really love video i really love production all of that um i went to school for it for a couple of years um ended up you know going past the first two years got my associates then went on for my bachelor's and said what the hell am i doing i i already pretty much were kind of running a business let me go do this full time and so i did and i started producing local tv commercials um, and I started to slowly grow that. And after a handful of years, had a decent clientele in the Northeast region, you know, in New York, Long Island, moved my business into Manhattan and scaled, which at the time was called 24DP, scaled that business into a small seven figure production company. Um, and then in 2009, when the market really, you know, everything kind of hit the fan, at that point in time, in our you know, at least in my career, we were doing a lot of business with the bigger ad agencies and it was great work. It was good business, but I always got so frustrated because I just want to say, Hey, just put us directly in touch with a client. We'll get these things hammered out in 30 seconds instead of the, you know, three or four weeks it would take to get small pieces of feedback. And I felt that it was just so inefficient working with these huge agencies and it drove me nuts. So 2009, um, made the decision, you know what, going to go direct to client and this is going to be scary, but we did. 
I bought out my business partner at the time um, because she didn't have the same vision. She wanted to do other things. Bought her out, which was tough for me at the time. I did it. Uh, eventually rebranded as Bold, I think 2010, 2011, and never looked back since. Um, and, and, you know, that's, that was the start of Bold and, and it's grown that in the last, you know, four years, five years. Uh, and it's been one hell of a trip. That's awesome. <laughs> wow. That's pretty incredible. And, and so your, your original kind of expertise was in the, in film production. Is that correct then? Yeah, video that production? was, that was my original, I, I actually originally wanted to be a cinematographer, right? That was, that yeah. was what I wanted to be. And, um, I kind of found as, I started kind of getting these smaller local clients back in the early 2000s that I was actually pretty good at producing and managing the clients and making a profit. And I, I started to fall in love with the business side more than I liked actually operating the cameras and, and things like that. Yeah. And so now Bold itself, um, and I'm sure it's gone through multiple evolutions, but kind of taking a snapshot of where it's at now. Um, what is what are like what are the major services uh like i come to you i'm the new york mets what do i need you guys to do what do you what can you provide for us yeah absolutely um our our major focus really is working with brands or companies or sports teams that want to connect with fitness sports outdoor consumers and we do so through uh you know a variety of digital social and video campaigns, um, which we believe in this day and age with how fast, you know, digital content social is moving. That's where the focus is. And because we had our history on the video side, we're very, very good at the content portion, which is a rare thing to see from an agency because most agencies tend to have, you know, the media buying or the service or the branding piece down and then outsource the production. But since we do that all together as a package, it gives us a unique perspective. Interesting. So, so you guys do, and I'm just, I'm trying to get clarity because I'm always curious about, you know, how agencies operate and stuff like that. Do you guys actually produce, like you, you come in obviously from a strategic standpoint, right? Correct. Um, but then what kind of like stuff do you guys actually execute on? Do you actually create social media content? Do you create video content? Do you create, you know, uh, logos and design and stuff like that for these companies? Uh, a little bit of all of the above. Um, but I would say that our main focus really would be on, uh, you know, three pieces. One is coming up with a strategy of how do we leverage content, albeit video or some other level of content, social content, social, you know, um, you know, community management to build a following, create engagement? And then how do we on a deeper level, on a real more sales driven, e-commerce driven orientation, how do we then sell? Right. And we've found a very good balance um, selling through social media, social marketing, as well as digital. So really not only handling the creative and the content side, but then also asking for the sale and pushing traffic to a site or landing page um, to create whatever the conversion may be, whether it's sales, um, leads, creating, um, you know, more followers following, et cetera. And we're doing a lot of that through social media marketing, like Facebook, dark posts, Twitter, yeah. Instagram, et cetera. Okay. Yeah. And you, so here your clients include uh, Ray-Ban, PepsiCo, uh, CBS Interactive. I mean, there's a lot of Tropicana, Gillette. It's, I mean, it's pretty, pretty impressive. I'm curious, like, how do you get in front of these companies? <clears throat> you know, it's it's really interesting. And some of it is previous relationships that we created being the, on the vendor side as a production company many years ago and, and leveraging those connections 
businesses. And, you know, I think one of the downsides and also the upsides of working in the agency marketing branding world is people tend to move around a lot, which is difficult because there's been many times where, um, you know, we've been working with a brand and then all of a sudden somebody's not there. And so the relationship changes drastically. That's the hard part. But the great part is because there is so much movement within the industry, people that we knew who used to be at XYZ brand are now at another brand. And so if we had a good standing relationship there, we can now build inroads at a company that we didn't have uh, a relationship with previously. The other you know, two methods to our madness. One is, you know, really old school biz dev. Outreach, phone calls, meetings, coffee. I mean, you know, it, it sounds very old school, but it works because our sales cycles are, are, are relatively long. Some of them are, can be short. Um, and so it's building those relationships with these people and explaining to them that, you know, listen, we do it differently. We have a different perspective. We have a different methodology. And what we do works. Um, and then the other side, which we are in the process of getting better at, is creating content ourselves, which you know positions ourselves as a thought leader. We have a show called Out of Scope, which you know I talk about business, sports, and marketing, tying those three together. Uh, it's on YouTube, it's on podcasts, um, and that helps to create both awareness for my personal brand as well as the company as a whole. Um, and, you know, our 2016 plan as a business for ourselves is to create a lot more content. We're going to be relaunching our website in about 30 to 60 days. And that's a big piece of where our focus is going to be is on content. Interesting. And how big is your, how big is your team right now? So we are just shy of 20 people full time. I think we just added our 18th person and we are growing. Um, but we act a lot bigger than our physical footprint. And the reason is, I think, because I have the background from the production side where freelancers and um, part-time or permalance type folks is just very common in that business model, I w- was able to kind of bring a piece of that over to the agency side, which is we can scale up at any moment in time on a project-by-project basis. So, you know, for example, like you mentioned, PepsiCo, Tropicana, we do a lot of project-based work for them. So it's not necessarily a constant job that we're running on a long-term contract over a period of time, but they may come to us for a two-month project, you know, in the spring and then come back to us for three or four projects in the fall. And so if you were to try to carry that overhead with full-time staff, it would just be impossible to do. Um, So just like a production company, we're able to scale up with our talents. So we have a lot of people who are on a freelance roster who, um, you know, work with us on a really consistent basis um, and allows us to be very flexible and also very nimble as an organization, but still deliver products and deliver services to some of the bigger companies or bigger projects without having to hesitate, which I think is a real big benefit for us. Gosh, yeah. So I have a, I have a lot of questions here. Um, so as much as you can divulge or, or share and and. So with that one in particular, and I'll come back to some others, but so you have a team of about 18, you're growing, but then you scale up for individual projects. How do you know what to hire for versus what to, you know, say temporary, like temporarily scale up for? That's actually been a really interesting thing that I have had to learn over the last few years as we've been starting to move towards growth. Yeah. Um, you know, our focus the la- this last year and our focus in 2016 really is to scale the agency. Um, and it, it is, it's very, you know, the cart before the horse feeling, which is, okay, if we've got this project or this job or this long time you know, long-term business contract, is it better off to hire the person full-time 
Um, or, or is it better off to substitute with freelancers? And the upside of freelancers is you only have to pay for when you need them. The downside of freelancers is A, you pay more for on the short term, but B, there's sometimes inconsistency either in services or coordination, um, and sometimes that's difficult. Sometimes it's very easy because we have enough work that overlaps where somebody might be, yeah, they're a freelancer, but they might be working for three or four months. Um, and, and because they want to do that, they still want to live in that freelance world, but we're giving them more longer-term business. But it is a delicate dance, and I'm actually, and I have been t- slightly skewing towards pulling on the full-time staffers as often as I can or as soon as I can. And I think the bigger bigger driving force for us has been over the, our mindset change over the last year and a half, two years, which is changing our business services to be long-term repeating contracts versus the short-term project-based work. Because with the production company, it was always short-term project-based work, which is amazing because you have these super high highs a lot of money comes in in a short period of time and then you finish a project and if there's not something else locked up, then okay, what do we do? And so as an agency, that's been an interesting lesson to us, which is turning our services more into long-term um, contracts versus project-based work. Okay, so now how, it's interesting. So it starts with a mindset shift and then how do you actually approach that from like a, a practical standpoint saying, okay, how do, we, you know, especially if you're, you're, you know, you're doing good with the the project-based stuff. How do you make that shift over to to the longer-term type contracts? That was that was very interesting. And and at first, I think it was harder than I anticipated. And then after we really kind of figured it out, it was easier than I anticipated. So it was an interesting balance. Um, you know, going from this very project-based work work company. Um, trying to then transition over to longer-term contracts. We had to make our services fit those needs, which is before when we were just doing production, nobody needs you to be on call 24-7 for production. They just don't. So there's no reason for anybody to pay you for um, repeating revenue for that unless they have a lot of work going on. Um, on the flip side, on the agency side, the services for digital and social are things that are always constantly evolving and are ongoing. And so adding those two pieces and combining that with the production was a really unique and smart move for us, which is, okay, if we are either managing or we are, um, you know, or, or we're giving information to a client on how to either do their social content or we're actually executing their social marketing, meaning you know buying and placing and designing and executing the ads and the strategy, that's a long-term process. That's not a month job. That's a year contract or longer. And so because we then also have the content side, the production side, now we build that in over top, which means, okay, the client's not going to need that every, every time, but they're going to need us to continue to manage their social marketing or their digital marketing channels and then when we need to incorporate this content or video in there, that's a project-based piece based over on top of that. So we found that really kind of helped us grow and scale the agency and continuing to do so because we have this base where we know what we're doing in business over the next 12 months, at least right now. And then when we have the opportunity to do additional production or those creative services on top of it, it's kind of the icing on the cake. Interesting. Okay, very cool. So take us back in time, I guess, a little bit when you actually first started Bold. I'm curious, was it just uh, was it just you, or you you bought? You know, I guess you bought out your partner, so you had a team that uh, when you pursued the when you made that switch from working with agencies to 
kind of the direct clientele, right? Um, is, is that is that about right? Yeah, when um, when I bought my partner out um, and, and she moved on, I lost a business partner, but um, we still had a, I had a few people who made the transition with me. So I had about three staffers that made the transition with me. Um, and then kind of really relied heavily on the first year off of all of our freelance talent. Like that was still, that was when it was unique for me because I've never worked for another agency. I've actually, with the very few exceptions, ever really worked for anyone else. And so um, that has its benefits, but then there's also a lot of questions of like, okay, well, now that we're an agency, I know the services and things that we can provide and will do, but the business model side was kind of unique to me. And so my mentality was still very much in the production side. Yeah. And so was st- we were still taking a lot of jobs on a you know per job basis, which was at the time, looking back, I think it was kind of how we had to do it because no one was going to say, oh, great, you did a lot of awesome video. Now let me give you a year-long contract for these other services you're now bringing on board. So I think it worked its way out, which was we had to do these more short-term projects that incorporated content and video, but then also allowed us to show that we could do these other services and then slowly transition over to the more you know repeatable business agency model. Yeah. What were the core core people you want to, if, if somebody's looking, probably does some sort of freelancing work, has done some sort of production work, is looking to kind of to grow that. I think the the natural growth is toward an agency type model um, in a lot of ways. So say that person's trying to go move move toward that. What are some of the key high early hires for employee-wise or, 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 yeah, I think that's probably the best way to put it. Yeah, so, so, so you're saying like if they're a freelance whatever designer or something and I say, hey, listen, I want to turn this more into a company, not just yep. me designing, what do, who do I hire next? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's, it's interesting because I think it depends on the person's strengths, right? Like I was always decent at biz dev. I, I had no problem picking up a phone, making connections, et cetera. Um, so I kind of had that piece. I, I think I've learned that I needed to accelerate that big time from back then till now. It's very different. Um, so if they're not very good at sales, I, I would, I would absolutely start there because if, if they have the talent and they have the service, but nobody knows about it, then, then you're still not growing your business. Everybody needs to know about it. That's, that's key number one. So either the person has to be good at sales or they need to bring on somebody who is good at sales. I think that's number one. Yep. Um, number two is to then, I think, Think about what it is that you can package together with whatever your core services are. So if you're a really good designer, that's awesome. Maybe, maybe you're doing a lot of website work. So then maybe the next you know, easy, smart progression is to bring on a digital person so that you can incorporate digital channels and, and website design into your design. And I think that that's kind of what I learned, which some of it's trial and error, to be honest, um, but was really to start with what do you know best and then start adding on people who do other things that you don't that complement that core service. And that was how I, I started the first production company, which was I was really good at filming and editing. And then I decided, oh, hey, I want to run a business. So eventually I hired other people to fill in all the gaps and then hired people to cover the services that I initially did. Yep. Okay, very cool. And as far as like this, this model is concerned, I mean, I think, I think any type of business model obviously would be, be challenging, but the agency one I'm, I'm in particular, cause it's, uh, you know, it's, especially when it's project based, um, it can have some, some ups and downs. I'm curious, like what, what, like, at least like it doesn't, don't have to get into numbers or anything like that, but what, what are some of the, like, have you had any dramatic shifts in terms of like, oh, we had a huge month and then we had like a really terrible month. And like, how has that been to manage that? If, if, if that's happened to you at all? 
It's definitely happened to me in the past. I would say over the last couple of years or few years, I've felt it much less because A, we we changed the business model, which made a very big impact on, um, you know, cash flow, which is having constant reoccurring revenue coming in. I think that's the smartest thing any business can do, regardless of what industry they're in. Um, But if you're in the project-based type work um, and going back even before Bold, going back to my previous company, the production company, when it was all project-based, we absolutely felt that. And I think that was one of the really challenging things as a business owner was to be able to balance out, okay, we have a really great month. We brought in tons of revenue, but then we have nothing else lined up next month. How fast do you burn through that cash is a really big issue. Um, And when you're starting out as a smaller company, when you only have a handful of people, um, you might not have tons of cash in the bank to you know, get you through three or four or five months of dry time, which hopefully nobody has to experience. But I, I've experienced that before. And things got really tight at points back when it was 24 DP. And I think that was one of the things that really, um, really incentivized me to go to the agency business model, because I knew that just being a, a service provider for production, it would always be those high highs and lows lows. Whereas being on the agency side, we could make long term decisions and bring and create services that um, that the clients needed and wanted on a long-term basis. And that flattened out that curve a bit for us, which was great. That's awesome. Very interesting. I'm curious how, you know, I guess how do you, you and maybe you don't run into this challenge anymore um, with, with where you guys are at, but, but maybe in the beginning, um, you know, how do you find, uh, well, not find the clients because we talked about that, but how do you like go through the, uh, a validation process so you're not necessarily like wasting time um, having conversations with people who aren't aren't going to buy. Like I'm curious, I feel like that's another challenge that people run into a lot. Um, how do you deal with that? That is an interesting one and we've been getting better at it. I, I would love to say we've perfected it, but I think, you know, even from a year ago to where we are today, I think we're much, much better at it. And what I've learned is that you need to not be afraid to ask pre-qualifying questions to people you're potentially going to do business with, um, which is, you know, there's a tendency when you're doing business to just say, oh, great, if this person's interested, they're excited, they like us, they want our business, they want us to pitch them these three services and tell them how much it costs. That's wonderful. But on the flip side, if A, they can't afford your services or aren't willing to pay what you're asking or they're thinking it's going to be short-term work when you need it to be a long-term contract, then you might go through all of this time and effort and energy, especially in the agency world, putting together pitches and things like that, um, which take up a lot of energy, time, resources, and money to then find out two, three weeks later that, oh, you know, we really like you guys, but um, we're just not ready for this or we can't afford it. Or, you know, we didn't realize there was a conflict with the other agency we work with. Those are those are really terrible things to find out after you've put in 100 hours of work. And so, you know, we've gotten better at creating pre-qualifying questions um, with the people on my sales staff that um, really in the first phone call start talking about, you know, budgets and how they're working and asking very specific questions of, you know, how they work with agencies and how is that formulated and, you know, what's what does expensive look like to them, right? And how valuable of XYZ service do they think that could be to their to their business? And then I think the other thing is too is being 
a little bit more transparency about costs and you know your service costs and i think that's been a big game changer for us where we've started almost kind of create packages for our services which is okay great we do these five things over and over and over and over again and we know that here's the ranges in which we do really well and the client does really well and showing them those packages up front even though it's an agency which seems pretty odd to do has been a game changer for us because the client knows what to expect right off the bat and you get that reaction right off the bat which is oh this is great yeah this seems doable for us etc or oh wow i didn't you know and, and you can kind of adjust based on that and sometimes you know you need to push through that with the client and, and, and express your value but sometimes you find out really early on that this isn't going to be a fit great let's save their time and let's save our time because there's a million other businesses out there that we can and should be talking to yeah, exactly. So just to clarify something, did you mention that you you share you share packages with them? Like these are the different things we offer, like or these are different type of packages we offer? Yeah, I, I yes, we do. Um we some things just aren't packageable. Some right. things really need to be on a per client basis um because obviously in the agency world things can get very complicated, but um you know, social media and social marketing, we've found especially because we focus a lot on the sports consumer and brands trying to reach them, you know, we kind of have some really good case studies that show, hey, if we're spending this, this functions very well. Now, that's not going to fit every single case, but it gives us a starting point for a conversation. So that way, you know, the client kind of has some expectations on how much we charge and the ranges that we charge right off the bat. So after 30 minutes of conversation, we're already talking about that because, you know, why wait for, again, like 100 hours of work to then find out that they can't afford it or aren't interested because of X, Y, and Z problem. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Awesome. All right, Brian. Well, we're coming up to the top of the uh, the conversation. I, I wanted to uh, to respect your time here and um, actually maybe talk a little bit about uh, real quick out of scope the podcast and what you guys are doing. You mentioned you're kind of shifting over to more. We're not shifting over, but you're you know a big focus for you going forward is content creation. So maybe tell us a little bit about that podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we started out of scope um, last spring, and I think we're at episode 66 or 67 right now, which has been pretty amazing for us. And it's a weekly uh, YouTube show that we also have on podcast, SoundCloud, etc. And you could find it real easily by just searching hashtag out of scope, um, either on YouTube or even just Google, and you can find it. And um, it's where uh, we talk about sports, business, and marketing, and we kind of tie and package that up all together. And um, the show itself, just kind of like our business, has progressed since we started it. And now, uh, once a week, I interview someone in the business world, typically somebody who's on the sports side. Um, and I've talked to some really great people, uh, Ray Maker over DC Rainmaker blog, who's like a, one of the biggest influencers in the sports technology world. Um, last week, I actually spoke with um, Howie Kaflesky, Meb Kaflesky, the um, you know, basically the number one runner in the United States, his brother, who's his manager, and kind of got deep on how he manages that athlete and his brother. Um, and so we talk about that once a week. And then I have my uh, director of sports marketing, Kyle, on every Friday. And uh, we have a bit more fun. We kind of get into real business problems and try to solve them. And we also drink tequila. So it's uh, a nice way to wrap out the week. So it's a fun show, but, but we try to give away some information that's tangible that people either in marketing or business can get some sort of the takeaways and uh, it's been a lot of it's been a lot of fun so far that's awesome and uh where can people go to uh to find you and connect with you 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, you can go to our website is boldworldwide.com. That's the company site. We're actually going to be relaunching that site in a in a month or two, so stand by for that. Otherwise, um, you can find me uh, on the web. Uh, any my Twitter handle is Brian underscore Cristiano C R I S T I A N O. Um, same on Instagram, Snapchat, all those good things. And, uh, my website, which has all the shows on it is briancristiano.com. Or like I said, they can just Google hashtag at a scope and they can find the show and go from there. Awesome. Brian, I really appreciate you being on the show, man. It was great talking and I appreciate your insights. Tom, absolutely, man. This was a pleasure. I'll talk to you soon. And that wraps up another broadcast of In the Trenches. If you'd like to check out the show notes, just head over to tommorcus.com slash podcast where you'll find the latest broadcast. And if you enjoyed today's broadcast, please do me a favor and leave a rating and review on iTunes. That's the fastest, simplest, easiest way to support my creative work, and it would really mean a lot to me. As always, this is Tom Morcus, and if you're listening to this, you are the resistance.